With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Um, no COVID talk today, although I do want to make one comment, and I'll save that for just a second. Uh, we do have two great guests on today. Yes, if you saw the title of the show, we're talking Max Duggan, we're talking Chuba Hubbard, and we're talking about just how important are running backs in college football, and how do you proper, uh, properly rate and judge them? I've been wanting to have these two guys on together for some time, two of the, uh, I don't want to say nerdy in a very good way, but smartest football guys I know, Adam Lunt, Parker Fleming, here on the show to talk about those topics. Uh, I think we had a lot of fun. This is a really good episode. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So as I said, uh, one one thing I do want to say, for I am, uh, when I'm not doing this, if you're not aware I work in marketing. I have a number of small clients um, who are obviously suffering at this time. All I want to do is say this. If you can, do everything you can to support your local businesses. Okay, They need your help more than anything else. If you're going to go out and eat, and by that I mean you're going to do delivery, you're going to do uh, pickup, anything like that, make it local. And by local, I mean locally owned. Okay. Your mom and pop shops, the guy who is your friend from college who stuck around and opened a, a restaurant. That's what you need to go. That's where you need to be spending your money at. Those people need it. Don't go to your Chili's. Don't go to your Applebee's. Don't go to your McDonald's. Eat truly local. Okay, That's that's my opinion. No offense to Chick-fil-A. No offense to Cane's. No offense to 
to rib crib, no offense to any of those kinds of places. Just do your best to really support the local ones. They need it the most. Okay. That's my that's my soapbox. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. That's it. Let's get to Adam Lunt. Let's get to Parker Fleming. You know what to do from here. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating, five stars if you don't mind. Review, we would love it. We'll read it on the show for you. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, yeah, heads up, we'll have one episode next week, one. Uh, something I've been wanting to do for some time with no actual sports going on. This is the perfect time to do it. I got four guests lined up for Sunday. We are going to do a fantasy draft of sorts, snake draft style. You can learn more about it on the, when the episode comes out on Monday. I'm very excited. I hope you're excited. It's all Big 12 related. That's enough of a tease. Let's get to it. I want, uh, so I think he's a senior. So he has to be last like, year. Yeah. He just played all four years, and that makes it feel like somebody stays around forever. But, man, I feel like that guy's been around. So, yeah, he's a – I can't tell if he's redshirt or not. But he played, yeah. He so he played a little bit his freshman year, majority of his sophomore, all of his junior. And the funny thing is, he played. Uh, he started thirteen games last year and threw twelve touchdown passes. <laughs> so I'll just Great. leave that there. For, you guys can interpret that as as you'd like. So <laughs> he beat out Alex Dell. I, I don't even want to do this. Whatever. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we started recording. I, I missed the how old is he really, but that's fine. Um, so obviously today, uh, this is this is like the first true off-season we've ever had in sports. Like, let's be honest. There's no true off-season because even when sports aren't going on, there's still something to actually talk about. This is the this is the real off-season where there's literally you're just speculating and we're watching games from 1984, reminiscing, which is nice, but it is what it is. So how do I have a podcast in this kind of time where there's just nothing to really talk about? Well, you start thinking about all the ideas you've had in the past that you never brought to fruition. And that leads me to having two people that, uh, who, whose opinions uh, I respect greatly and who are much, much smarter than I am. Uh, Adam Lunt of the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast and Parker Fleming of Frogs of War or the Stats of War podcast as well uh, are both on the show together because I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Guys, welcome back to the 1012. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Philip. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I have for some time followed both of you. Uh, you're both very intelligent. Uh, as I say, I always like to bring on people to my show smarter than I am uh, because I think that makes me, I always follow the rule of uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Uh, so that's the follow policy I follow on my show as well. Um, so I brought you both on um, two reasons. One, Adam has been doing some fantastic Big 12 quarterback uh, breakdowns, been reviewing tape of them throughout the season, uh, and has put together uh, Twitter threads of each one. I would suggest you go check out his Twitter account and look at each one. Today, we're going to focus on his thread regarding Max Duggan and, and his opinion of Max Duggan. Uh, Parker, someone who covers TCU, get how he feels about uh, Adam's valuation and talk about Max, since he's obviously going to be likely the guy, assuming we have a season uh, here later this fall. Uh, and then after that, we're going to talk a little OSU because that is the uh, school that is nearest and dearest to Adam's uh, heart. And uh, and Parker has had some thoughts that I've been wanting to talk with him about on the show. So we're going to use this opportunity to do so. But I want to start with Duggan. Uh, Adam, uh, you, you broke down quite a few pieces of tape of him. I, uh, I read through those, I looked through his stats to, to come away with. But I just want you to kind of work through, after watching game footage of Max Duggan here this offseason, 
uh, how would you evaluate his performance from last year? And and to break it down to dummy level, uh, is he a good quarterback or a bad quarterback? <laughs> Uh, I, that's a it's a great question. Very, I like how you simplified that for for all uh, for all parties involved. Um, I, I think my uh, admiration for Max Duggan, wait, Duggan, correct? Yes, I literally have screwed his name up every single time. Started, you know, Parker's shaking his head. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, it started so when I watched the Oklahoma state tape, you know, he threw three interceptions and then probably a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, he's not any good. And there's a lot of, there's a ton of like little small things he does that caught my attention. Then this was back in October or November, whenever they played. And I was just sitting there thinking like, man, this kid's legit. Um, you know, obviously he made some, some stupid throws. There was some that were probably some more miscommunication driven interceptions and things like that. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there thinking like this kid can play and kind of from afar, I watched a few of his games live and, um, you know, was really impressed. And then, you know, as you suggested, I've taken some time since then and done a real deep dive. I think I'm on game eight from Duggan now. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm trying to watch like two to four games of everyone. And I just kept watching TCU games because I was so impressed with him. And a lot of it is really not going to show in the, in the stat, you know, in the box score necessarily um, because there's a lot of like small little details that I'll notice. And I've tried to put a few of those on Twitter to kind of give everyone an outline of kind of what I'm talking about here. Um, in addition to, and I'm sure Parker can expand for hours on this about some general deficiencies of the TCU offense as a whole really held him back. So um, I think Max uh, Max Duggan is is a good quarterback now and has the potential to be a a great college quarterback um, in terms of you know two you know let's say starting maybe junior year be the type of guy that could be a first or second team all Big Twelve guy. So um, he's good now with the potential to be really 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 good to great would be my answer to that question. I'm ecstatic at that answer. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, I will say right now, absolutely rein me in because I will talk about Max too long. Uh, but I, I love hearing someone who's not a TCU fan say that because I think that's 100% true. What a lot of people don't realize about Max Duggan is that uh, the starting depth chart for quarterback this year for TCU was supposed to be Sean Robinson one, Justin Rogers two, Max Duggan three, maybe redshirting. Um, and, and and then they brought in Alex Delton. So even more, uh, when, when, when Sean Robinson left. So Max Duggan was never supposed to be more than the, the third quarterback on the depth chart and um, just kind of worked his way into a starting role by default, said, hey, I'm, I'm competing. Um, and so what a lot of people want to look at is like his QBR and uh, the interceptions, especially, you know, he didn't throw an interception until the Texas game, which is game, what, seven? And they really mm -hmm. didn't let him do anything in the first six games. And, and I think, you know, uh, we don't have – the scheme thing but like Kansas State Iowa State SMU games really shot themselves in the foot because they didn't trust Max as they trusted him uh yeah he made some mistakes but from a freshman quarterback who wasn't expected to start uh you love to see that he can kind of uh, galvanize the team so there were moments when Max got excited that the rest of the team got excited and I think that is uh, especially when you're talking about a program like TCU who is not dealing with five-star talent they're not matching up and beating people. They are gritting and scheming and working around it. Um, and so there's some of these non-tangible things. Um, you really love to see that he can galvanize a team. Um, you really love to see his footwork in, in a lot of moments has been really, really great. And you just love to see that, uh, you know, he'll run the speed option or he'll take off on third down and use his legs and bail out and say like, no, I'm going to bleed. I'm going to, I'm going to get the first down. 
Um, and so for a freshman quarterback, you just love to see that. The third thing I think we'll absolutely talk about is you just, you just, the drops make it look so much worse than it was. Like it was a fine season for a freshman. He was up and down pretty bad at some points, pretty great at some points, but the drops make it look so much worse than it was not even accounting for the fact of, of scheme. And, and like Adam said, Max Duggan in 2021 is going to be a Heisman contender. And that's if nothing changes with scheme. He could have been even better this year if they had worked on some things, trusted him a little bit more, integrated a little bit more of that short passing game, uh, kind of especially in the middle of the field. But um, even if nothing changes, just Max Duggan alone in the system is going to be a Heisman contender in 2021, um, which I think the numbers make it a little bit hard uh, – the numbers make people a little bit more down on him than, than if you're watching the tape and actually understanding what's going on. So, so let me just say, I'm not the best at watching and breaking things down. I'll just be blunt with that. Um, but it did feel to me as, as I watched TCU through the year that he was better than the stats said. Um, obviously there were some mistakes that, that some of the interceptions in the OSU TCU game, there were some throws. One of them was just, I don't, I don't even know what happened there. Like he just felt like miscommunication, but it did feel like he was a guy who you're on a TCU team that was dealing with a lot uh, obviously, the drops were ridiculous. Uh, I, I mean, you go look at some of the clips that that Adam has posted. The drops, the drops. Just don't the watch drops. the OU I, game. Oh god. Or the Baylor game. The Baylor game. Two touchdowns <laughs> in the first quarter. So just dropped. Oh my god. Is <laughs> bad. Like, you, you, you. People want to look at stats after the season. That's the easy thing to do. But if you really do watch, uh, Doug, there were some things that really impressed me like i remember watching the osu tcu game to the end of that game thinking I'm, I'm waiting on him to do something like i'm waiting on him to win this game for them because that's the kind of guy he feels like he is he just didn't have really the weapons around him which is insane to say with jalen rager there on that on that side on that team they didn't have the pieces there to do what he could do I, i'm curious i know they've made some some changes to the coaching staff this offseason parker uh, obviously you've you've got guys like jalen rager who are gone what do you what do you expect as potentially duggan's ceiling for for 2020 i'm assuming that the season gets played um dis- decisively top top four qbs in the in the big 12 which i don't think is saying a ton given who's coming back um Let's let's say arguably top four because like you might have you might have feelings about like Deggy at, at West Virginia and what Neil Brown's going to be able to do with him. But if you look around the Big Twelve, you're saying okay, TCU hasn't had a top uh, top of the top of the conference quarterback. I think Max Duggan will be in the argument for that next year. Um, there is a lot of talent on the team. Uh, m- most notably, the offensive line. Once Lucas Niang got hurt at Texas, that's kind of a, a point in TCU season where. TCU beat Texas uh, and Texas had a ton of issues and, and was down and was injured and was being very stupid with the blitz, but TCU beat them and had this upswell. That was Lucas Niang's last game. And the offensive line went to hell after that. And like manifesting in the Texas tech game where they couldn't even run play action because Max Duggan was running for life the second he snapped the ball. Um, and so TCU brings in two grad transfers who are projected to start on the offensive line, um, which really shores that up. And so you love to see that. You love to see a young, experienced defense coming back. And so a lot of this was Max D. Uh, a lot of 2019 was Max Duggan succeeding in spite of his context and his surroundings. And next year he will be succeeding along with and because of his surroundings. So he'll get that natural boost just from context improvement. And then also maturing, you know, yet to see what happens without spring ball and what, what all is going on with all this uncertainty, but putting that aside, cause that's going to affect everyone. Um, he'll mature and grow. And so you, you kind of see two is where he will improve on a solid foundation. One, because his circumstances will, will be a little bit better 
And then two, because he will mature and, and, and just be better developed as he grows older and practices more. So I think I, I expect him to be in the conversation for top four quarterback in the big 12, um, which I don't think is crazy. I don't think I'm for anybody off the top of my head. So I don't think that's crazy. Well, let's, let's run down the QB. Um, Ellinger, uh, whoever's starting for Oklahoma and Brewer and Brewer. I mean, honestly, unless Charlie Brewer was like hurt at the end of the season, yikes. Uh, he might have hit his ceiling. Brewer so, is the Brewer is the real wild card because yeah. even going into last year, I had Brewers the second best quarterback in the league. And I don't think, and mm-hmm. so I got a, some yeah. people, some people thought I was a lot, well, I was crazy when Brewer was healthy, like go back and watch him stick a few throws against uh, in the OSU game, which I think the OSU game was literally the last game that he was completely healthy um, where he really went down the wrong path. So a lot of it, I mean, Brewer is a top three quarterback bar none. Uh, if he's Charlie Brewer that we knew of early in 2019, no questions asked. Um, and then Rattler's a real, I mean, Rattler's uber talented. Um, it just kind of figure it, it depends on how, how close he is. And you know, we don't know that yet. Um, and then Spencer Sanders kind of an odd, oddball too. Um, there, I think after given the status of Brewer, after Sam Ellinger is the clear cut number one for me. After that, there's about five guys that all could be number two. And that include now if Brewers back to him himself. I think he's the clear cut number two. And then, you know, you take him out of that group, but, um, but it's a good group. And I think Duggan is farther along mentally or like uh, upstairs than probably Rattler, definitely Spencer Sanders. Um, and, you know, Deggy and, and Thompson, those guys are kind of like fringe guys that wouldn't include in that list. And then another oddball that is a wild card is, is Alan Bowman. Like, where does he fit in? Bowman can be in that Duggan, Spencer Sanders, Rattler category too, and Brewer category as well. But kind of like the same thing as Brewer. Which Alan Bowman are we getting? Is he, is he healthy? We don't know. We haven't seen him play uh since what the second game of the season third game of the season uh in 2019 so there's a lot of certainties i feel like in the quarterback situation there's a lot of wild cards as well so it's kind of an interesting discussion right now so yeah obviously with no spring ball that's good it's gonna make things more interesting gonna make us a lot of questions i have to answer quickly come fall ball um okay so let's flip to to oklahoma state uh parker you and i have gone back and forth a bit on on shuba hubbard for everyone who listens, it's Chuba Hubbard. I, I still get questions every once in a while. It's like, how do you pronounce that? Which is, come on, guys. It's way more fun to say Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> Chuba Hubbard sounds like a Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It does, yeah. Like, and I hope one day there is that's just full of. I like, feel like you should say Chuba Hubbard, and I'll continue to say Max uh, Max Dugan. <laughs> the best was I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I went on a, a Big Twelve podcast this fall, and somebody switched every sentence. They were like, "So how is Duggan gonna do?" <laughs> What do you think Dugan's going to do? Uh, like every time they flipped, it was just really funny. Uh, well, I mean, it was El- is it Ellinger or Ellinger? You know, that one went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So, I, mean, I think I'm it's Gur, right? It's the hard G. It's the hard G. That's it's what Gur. Herman said, right? Yeah. Like Herman took offense in one of the press conferences, I think, um, which that's another story. <laughs> Tom Herman taking offense to I something? believe it's Ellinger. <laughs> yeah. If not, I've been saying it wrong. No, it's it's, it's 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 Gur. It's, it's Tiger sound. It's Gur. It's cool. Okay, so Parker, you and I have, have, have talked some in, in the Twitter DMs where you and I uh, chat back and forth. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, finishing the year with the most rushing yards, um, easily one of the best running backs in, in the country this past year. I don't think you're going to do that, but, but 
the debate you and I have, and I don't necessarily completely disagree, but I, I wonder if you overstate to some degree that you don't think he was as good as he looked purely because he got the ball so many times. Now, I will say this. Of the guys who were who finished the, the year as, as top-ranked running backs, you know, Hubbard and Dobbins and Taylor, uh, ETN, Hubbard had the most carries outside of, obviously, Dobbins for Ohio State, but, you know, they had, a, had an extra game uh, there, so that, that brings his numbers up, so that, that changes that. I just I want your explanation of of just how do you view Hubbard? Do you do you think he is is one of the best running backs? Do you think he's just a nice guy who gets the ball a lot? Like I'm I'm just really curious of your overall evaluation of him as a player. Okay, Chuba Hubbard is great. Um, if I were him, I absolutely would have gone to the NFL this year um, and gotten paid. Uh, and as a an opposing fan, I kind of wish he had <laughs> because he absolutely makes teams pay and is an extremely talented player. And I don't want other teams to have talented players. So that is 100% true. As a football analyst, the conversation is less about Chuba Hubbard specifically and more about running backs in general. And so the question that I ask about Chuba Hubbard is, given the exact same offensive line, ranked 24th by pro football focus for whatever that's worth, just as a a measure, um, the exact same rushing scheme, offensive scheme, um, and the exact same defense kind of context on the field how many other running backs would have done as well as chuba hubbard and i just think that number is a lot bigger than other people do because so much of rushing involves um placement and leverage so are you running towards numbers are you running away from numbers how does the pulling guard execute his block um how well does the defense defend when do they run on early downs or on late downs how often do you run and so um I think so much of that is contextual that past a certain threshold of talent, most of what running backs are, are just plug and play. So again, past that certain threshold of talent is an argument we have to have to have and say, what's that threshold of talent? So I asked on Twitter, you know, what do you think? How many elite running backs are there? Less than five, five to 10, 10 to 15. I think that answer is probably 10-ish, 10 to 12-ish guys who are elite running backs. And that doesn't mean they're not good. But that means that any one of their individual statistics um, probably more largely reflects their usage uh, and their offensive line play and the defenses they faced than their individual performance. It doesn't mean like if I was an NFL team and needed a running back, it doesn't mean I wouldn't draft Chuba. Chub, oh, well, we talked about it and I'm messing up. <laughs> I wouldn't draft Chuba Hubbard, um, although I wouldn't draft a running back in the early rounds. It just means that I'm, I'm not going to – like Chuba Hubbard and Jonathan Taylor – and uh, who's who's the Memphis guy? Uh, or, or even like Henderson, Xavier Jones from SMU, D- Daryl Henderson. Those guys don't deserve to be in the Heisman. Like that just isn't, they're not that valuable in the scheme of being able to be an excellent versus being an excellent quarterback. Um, to, be, to be considered like one of the most valuable players. So it's not necessarily the most valuable running backs as it is the most valuable players. To be considered one of the most valuable players, you have to be otherworldly at running back. And honestly, Chuba was really, really good and is as talented as anybody. I just think there's a lot more people who are in that echelon um, who didn't have the benefit of good, good usage, good um, offensive line. All right, Adam, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let you retort with your thoughts. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't have any major uh, objections. I think, you know, just look at NFL free agency um, as a perfect example. I mean, basically I think there was a run on running backs two or three years ago 
with big contracts and pretty much all of them have been, you know, Todd Gurley just got cut. Um, you know, Devonte Freeman was cut, you know, so, I mean, I, there's, there, there's a lot of people out there that are really, really, really smart that, you know, think this way too, in terms of, uh, you know, and I don't necessarily think that the discussion is, is does the running back add value is it, what's the difference between, let's say a, a good running back and a great running back. And does that, for example, like a good wide receiver and a great wide receiver, that difference could be like really significant versus a running back, the threshold for um, what the scenario or the situation you're given versus what you can add on top of that from your talent is smaller from a running back, I think, than other positions. Now, I will say to Chuba Hubbard's defense, some of the things that I think he's in, incredibly good at are our vision and his patience, which basically would lead you to believe that there's a lot of plays out there that he's made that weren't there, you know? So I think that's kind of a counter to it. But, you know, the overall theory I tend to agree with of the fact that, you know, you know let's be honest, if you're getting hit in the back, the backfield every play I mean uh, no one who's listening this follows Florida State but Cam Akers he's going to be a top 60 pick in the NFL draft and I think he averaged like five yards a carry and um, I want to say 3.7 of those were after contact which is an absolute insane number so he could have averaged seven, eight yards to carry if he was put in a good position, but he wasn't. He was put in a horrible position, and he became an average running back because of it. So, um, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with uh, that. I will say um, that I saw Chuba Hubbard significant, like for a long period of time, up and close. He is and like an, an amazing athlete, like one of the best athletes I've seen up front, like up close. Uh, so, you know, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a really good running back at a position that is somewhat devalued, um, overall, I guess is the best way to, to summarize. So, and, and I totally, agree. and like, I don't want to get crazy with this. Cause like, you know, looking at the totals of, of rushing, like Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. Okay. He is not an elite running back. He played at Buffalo. He had a good offensive line. He ran over some terrible defenses. Like there's a clear distinction to be made. Like, obviously Chuba Hubbard's great. I think where a lot of this comes from is, a debate I'll circumvent a little bit about the viability of a certain defensive coach's uh, scheme uh, and using Oklahoma State's rushing game as evidence of that. And my argument is that like the way we think about running backs is kind of fundamentally flawed because basically where you like how you succeed as a running back is determined as by where everyone is when you hit the line. And the running back has some influence into that, but also everybody else has influence into that. And so a lot of the decision or a lot of the, the value that a running back provides is like, when do I hit the hole? Can I cut back? Or like, like Hubbard has that vision. Uh, and so how do I kind of create something at the line? The rest of it is basically de dependent on, you know, the yards gained after you hit the line of scrim scrimmage is going to be a little bit your talent and effort, a little bit the talent and effort of the defense, but also largely dependent of like where you are on the field. And so Hubbard in the TCU game specifically, he had two huge carries, one of 92 yards and one of 62 yards. Um, but outside of those two runs, his, his yards per carry was only 3.8. So like huge value, those plays happened, they counted. But also the only reason he had a 92 yard and a 62 yard run was because Oklahoma State was 92 yards and 62 yards away on a play where Hubbard just got 
the line. Like it would have taken the exact same skill and value um, if he was 12 yards away and 20 yards away from the, the goal line on those plays. He just got a lot of extra credit because of where they were on the field. And so I feel like those, those yards totals and those yards per carry really, really screw up our, our evaluation of running backs. And, and of course, like I don't say, let's go, let's go back to EPA. Let's talk about context. Let's talk about, hey, you, you get credit for four yards on a first down, but also you're in a worse position on second and six. So on the whole, it's like running backs in context are a really weird, hard thing to deal with. And I think a lot of people overvalue running backs because they, you, you know, they rely on just the counting stats uh, and they don't really factor in the other variables on the field that determine running back success. So just for the sake of conversation, I'm going to bring it. up a counterpoint. So in general, I, I agree with most of what you just said. However, I believe the 92-yard run was the one where Jeff Gladney got up to two, 22 miles an hour. So Yeah, crazy. Yeah, which is insane, right? So what are the odds that that 92-yard run is a 50-yard run from other running backs? You know, So I think that's where I, I think in a clear touchdown run, it's one of those things. I mean, that was clear. Anyone could have gained, let's say, 40 to 50 yards on that play. But could have anyone gained 92 yards? Well, then you're making an argument for Chuba Hubbard just being the fast, fastest, like, straight-line sprinter. And that doesn't really correlate a lot to being a running back. Like, I think there's a lot of people who, like, Lynn Bowden probably could have scored on that, you know, and he's not a great running back. Um, and so I agree. Like, there are other variables on the field, and it does require some talent. I'm saying that he gets credit for that event only because his team was 92 yards from the, from the goal line, not necessarily because he did something that was worth 92 yards of value so much as he just reaped the rewards of context. Um, yeah. Well, you're, you're circling back to basically the basis of EPA, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you know, right. or like I've done so, I mean, some that, things that he's getting that. more credit for a 92 yard run because they were on the eight yard line instead of the 40 yard line, you know? So, right. Um, and, and, yeah. I, and I did some things where it's like, you know, I looked at like log yards to kind of smooth out and give you less credit for more yards or looked at like percent of yards. And um, I, I still have individual totals on those because I get sidetracked. But like a lot of that really helps us just understand because we don't care so much about totals or not we, I guess. I don't care so much about totals. I care more about like what do individuals do and um, like how much value do they contribute? How good are they? How, how much can we predict how good can we predict them to be going forward, you know, kind of separating proverbially the noise from the signal. And so a lot of that is saying like, let's, let's dampen some of those outliers because I think they lead us to over, over inflate. The conclusion isn't like, of course, okay, Chuba Hubbard's a bad running back. No one's arguing that. Well, TCU fans online might be arguing that, but they're misguided in their, <laughs> um, it's, it's not, it's not that they're, that he's bad. It's that running backs are past a certain threshold of talent largely interchangeable. And again, you can argue NFL versus college. College, that threshold of talent is probably higher and there's fewer running backs who could just plug and play. But um, also, I, I don't know, you just like think of hypotheticals and this is going to come across as totally biased, but whatever. Like, okay, let's put Shewo Alanalua or Darius Anderson, both who have an, an elite element to their game. I wouldn't say they're overall elite, but Shewo in his like size and, and, and agility for his size and power. And then Darius Anderson with his, with his outright speed. Um, how far off from Chuba Hubbard would they be given the exact same context and also not having to split with another running back, you know, or, or vice versa. You swap Darius Anderson and Chuba Hubbard. You have Hubbard and Chewa Longalua in the same backfield splitting reps. How does that change our perception of those running backs? And my, what I want to do is like, let's parse out the context and actually see what they did. 
And so that's where my, my kind of overvaluing claim comes from is so much of that is based on context. Okay. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I get, uh, so I, I wanted to have one more comment. My summary of all of that would be the fact that in the 92 yard run, it was a 92 yard run and not a 50 yard run. And the fact that he's pair that he's not just a fast guy. He's also able to churn out yards that aren't there or yards for, you know, the third and two first down. And I think that's the value that he adds in addition to what maybe another running back can, like he can do all of that versus for example, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but the freakishly big dude, um, Shewo Alanalua. There you go. Um, like for example, like he had a few critical drops in the OU game. The dude's a freak athlete and all that, but can he break away? You know, he may be able to turn out the yards from third and one, third and two. He may have the vision, but can he break off a 92 yarder? And I guess the the value that Hubbard adds is he can do all of that. Yeah. You know, in a, in a reasonably good package. Absolutely. Um, instead of. And I think the good news for TCU fans is, is when you kind of combine Anderson with those two guys together, you kind of, you kind of get probably this a similar in product, but with Hubbard, it's just one player, you know? So I guess yeah. that's the way I would summarize it. Absolutely. And, and I think there's one more little nuance point that I'll make and I'll try and make it succinctly because I've been talking a lot on this podcast, but um, if, if you think about like a big run, like that 92 yard run being sort of, in some ways random because it involves all of these moving pieces coming together and working out in such a way that you break a long run. Um, and so every, every play, there's a, there's a probability that I break a big play. The probability that Chuba Hubbard breaks a big play is absolutely larger than um, a lot of other running backs, but also, you know, he had um, 328 carries this year, which is a whole lot, uh, just just a ton of carries. And one, he was able to sustain that volume. But two, you think about, okay, Oklahoma State was in a lot of close games this year. Oklahoma State had a lot of injuries and, and was relying on him a lot this year. And so they were also running in a way that facilitated big plays. So like a lot of other running backs are just getting those, you know, third and three, third and four, um, second and six kind of drives. Whereas Chuba Hubbard, they're like, all right, it's first and 10. We're going to let our boy do his thing. And, and so- a mobile quarterback, which- and a, Makes, and a mobile it, quarterback. makes it even yeah. more difficult. So and so, yeah. I mean, you saw you saw like a couple of plays. TCU's defensive ends were like, okay, I'm not going to let Hubbard kill me. And then Sanders killed them. Yeah. And then the next play, Hubbard killed them. Um, you know, it's kinda... mobile quarterbacks yeah. the best running back's best friend. So. And so, so that all helps. And the way that they run their scheme, it, it, they run so much that it increases the you know the the expected value. And so you've got to think about expected value versus actual value. Chuba Hubbard's uh, expected value is high for any running back being in that situation. Um, running as much as he does, high expected value. So if you have a high actual value, that just means you did what you should. That doesn't mean you're bad. It also means like maybe we can apply that same heuristic to other running backs and see that the variation of running back talent at the upper end of the spectrum is a lot smaller than we think it is. That's fair. I will note you guys mentioned Spencer Sanders, and I, and I do think you saw a difference with Chuba and with the team after he got injured because teams were able to load more on Chuba and not worry as much about running from Drew Brown. Now, Drew Brown could run it. They just, they just chose not to run him as much. But you did see an effect on Oklahoma State down the line when when they were uh, defenses were able to put more emphasis on stopping him and not worried nearly as much about a quarterback run burning them for uh, a big game. Yep. So, Can I can I give you two, re- two words why David Montgomery is really good? Because he's not been great in the NFL. Brock Purdy. Like, mobile quarterback frees up so much. I mean, I think 
I think that's 100%, not 100%, David Montgomery's good, but a lot of it is is having that context that can really free you up. So it's not just Hubbard uh, is the only reason I bring that up. You can, you can also make the note, it's the difference between having a good quarterback and a crappy quarterback. But That's true, yeah. <laughs> not just, very not just. Having a team of good players around you is helpful. It is. Hot take, that's the, but. That's our <laughs> <summer>. <laughs> uh, it's not wrong. It's a nice takeaway. Uh, you guys have been awesome. This has been a ton of fun. And I, I will say, as as good as I had hoped for it, I, I hate using the word good. Um, but uh, let's let's do this. Adam, uh, for everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering Oklahoma State and, and check out all of your uh, Big 12 quarterback breakdowns, which I, if I cannot say enough, have been fantastic and are definitely worth going and checking out. Uh, where can everybody do so? Uh, well, I was going to say you could listen to our podcast, but we haven't done one in like three months. Uh, so we, we actually are going to do a, a quarterback ranking podcast probably in the next week or two. So we're going to go into deep detail about all 10 uh, projected quarterbacks. So you can listen to the podcast. It's called Tape Doesn't Lie. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at, at Tape Doesn't Lie Pod. Uh, my personal Twitter account is Adam Lunt, L-U-N-T 817. So, and I'm like Philip mentioned, I'm trying to post eh, somewhere between three to five videos on every night, just burning through all the, the big 12 quarterbacks. So eventually I'll get there. Uh, just, so. just out of curiosity, who are you doing for Kansas? Does anybody know who, who's going to play quarterback for Kansas? Does Kansas know I, who's going to play? Well, quarterback I put out a question Kansas? and no one answered. Um, <laughs> Mitch just Google, hit me what's up. up with Carter Stanley right now. <laughs> he, he graduated, I think. Right, right. Um, Mitch actually, so my podcast partner, um, Mac, Mac Vitti. Okay. I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. I, I'm through six of ten. I'm doing Skylar Thompson at the moment. So, um, so I've got four more. And, and admittedly, Kansas' quarterback was not the quarterback that I picked first to watch. I don't. So I, don't, I, don't I believe McVitie was like the projected starter last year for them, and then he just never played or didn't play much. And he didn't do much or anything. But well, anyways, that's coming soon so okay uh parker you do great work um you put out more graphs than a math book on your twitter account um so do me a favor we're coming to check out all the fantastic work you do covering tcu as well as just breaking down um college statistics yeah so i'm primarily on twitter at stats o war um spelled like it sounds i, I put some articles up on frogs war and i'm uh we we too are are trying to get our ducks in a row to get the podcast back up and running because it's been a couple weeks so uh just twitter stats war is uh the best place to find me um, and to print my graphs out and color them in crayon and repost them on Twitter. <laughs> uh, if you want to know what that joke is in reference to, so you can feel on the inside, not the outside, go give, uh, go give Parker a, a follow and you'll understand. It's uh it's funny. It is. Uh, you guys have been awesome. I really appreciate this. This is better than I could have imagined. Um, good luck to both of you figuring out what to talk about. Uh, I will continue to use all of you guys and my guests to make sure that I sound like I still have a, an active podcast. And, uh, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, Philip. Appreciate Thanks, it. Podcast Network.